Welcome to the Underground Podcast, a weekly teaching from the 20 service at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. Stay tuned for ways to connect with our ministry following the message. So uh, we're week two of our series. Um, we're talking about decisions. So I was thinking about, um, you know, last week I shared a, a few kind of more personal stories about what decision making. I thought I'd kind of unveil a few more big ones that I had to make. You know, one of the, um, the big decisions that I had to make in my life was, ready for this? was to ask my wife to marry me. Uh, that was a big, y'all think that was a big decision? Yeah. That was kind of a big, some of you are like, I'm wrestling with that right now. Mm, interesting. Uh, now, the reality is, that was, you know, they, sometimes you hear people say, sometimes even the right decision is still really hard. That was one of those decisions. You know, the only reason that I proposed to my wife on the night that I proposed to my wife is because I told our family and friends to be waiting at her house so that she could have someone to go talk to when we were done. Otherwise, I would have chickened out. That's just the truth. I remember sitting in the car. I drove her to a park, a little pond that we like to go walk at because I'm a romantic. Anyways, I, uh, I, I drove up and she got out first because I needed to pull the ring out, right? And I remember thinking, I don't need to do this. Let's just go for the walk. And then I remembered, oh my goodness, her whole family and all of our friends are like, oh, and I was like, all right, I get the ring. I was so scared. Now it was the right decision. There was no doubt about it, but man, sometimes even the right decision can be difficult. The truth is, we talked about this last week. We make roughly, roughly 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000 decisions a day. Now, when we think about that, we begin to realize decision-making is a pretty big deal. I mean, that's a big part of who we are. It's a big part of what we do every day. And now the truth is some of the smaller decisions happen naturally. They happen by how we're wired. They happen by the things we've learned over the course of our life, the, the personalities that we have. But there's some major decisions that we navigate in life that sometimes we come to a realization that I need to make a decision and I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And that's really what we've been trying to target in on in this series and, and trying to help us to walk through this. And so tonight I'm going to share with you two additional key principles in making decisions. We're kind of stretching this out over a few weeks, mainly because we want to take our time. We want to make sure we, we process this well, let this sink in deeply so that when it comes time, if you're not already in a place where you need to make a big decision, this is going to flow out of you very naturally. So hopefully tonight's going to help you move forward. Now, there's one quick disclaimer I said last week. I'll probably say it every week as we move forward. And that is this. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I just want to tell you that you're missing the key element to wise decision making. Now, all of us can make decisions. That, you can do that on your own. But to truly make the right decision, we have to make that decision based on the one that created us and the purpose of why we are here. It is God that divinely designed you, created you, has a plan for you, a purpose for you, a call for you. And so when we're making decisions away from the Lord, those decisions eventually lead us astray, especially the big ones like career, like relationship, who all marry, all of those things. When we make them apart from the one that created us, we find ourselves in danger. And so every week, I feel like it's important that I remind you that. I want to read to you the same verse we read last week. It comes from Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that's your story. That's my story. Those are God's words to you. Listen, if there's anyone in this room and you're, you're just going, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. 
I don't know if God even meant to make me. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe I fell off the assembly line somehow. Whatever you might be thinking, can I just tell you that you are not here by accident, that you're not breathing by accident, that in fact, God has divinely designed a plan just for you. You're part of his workmanship. You need to know that. That should give you courage. Now, when we think about this, though, when, when we became Christians, for those of us in the room that have called Jesus our Lord and Savior, when you became a Christian, what God did was open access to you to salvation. God opened the door for you to step into the freedom, the freedom from sin that comes only from the blood of Jesus. God opened up this opportunity for you. He gave you everything. Literally, Jesus on the cross gave you and I everything. But in return, as we walk with him, we in return should be giving him everything as well. That our life is opened up to him. That everything we're doing, every decision we make, none of it should be done apart from the one that's opened the door for us to have everything. And so that's the disclaimer. And it's so important. And I pray that if you've not started that relationship with Christ, and maybe even tonight, you might step into that. Now, let's get into our stuff. Here we go. Last week, we talked about two principles. We said we got to determine, we got to determine to be led by God and nothing else. We want to be led by God and nothing else in decision making. And then we talked about Learning to recognize his voice. Learning to recognize God's voice. So as we're making decisions, we want to follow the Lord in those decisions. But as we're navigating those decisions, we know that it gets difficult to understand what the Lord would have us to do. And so we've got to learn to recognize his voice. So we spent time on that. If you missed that last week, you can check that out online or on the podcast. I encourage you to do that. Tonight, we're going to jump into principles three and four. Here's the first one. Line it up or knock it out. Line it up or knock it out. Oh, you're being cute, Chad. That's great. Hopefully this is good. Listen, this is good. Here's why this is good. Did you know that some of our decisions, even our major ones, can very easily be determined by simply lining that potential decision up with the Bible? There are certain things that you can eliminate immediately by just lining that decision up next to the Bible. What do I mean? Well, let's talk about this. If you're trying to make a decision, you're forced to make a decision to choose something that is sinful, something that involves, let's just list a few, cheating, lying, adultery, fill in the blank. You can very easily go, that decision, though it may look good in the moment, that it may look like it might progress my life or my career forward, that decision is going to be a problem because it does not line up with the clear teachings of the Bible. And so you know, some of us may not like it truthfully, but you know that decision is an easy decision to make the answer would be no. There's other parts, though, we are going, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure, and I would say to you, if this is something that is in line with God, you're probably headed down the right direction. So what that could look like, I'm following the Lord as he's leading me maybe into ministry or into serving within the church. I feel like this is someone that God's placed in front of me that seems to love him and to honor him, and they seem like someone that could be potential for me to marry. See, some of our decisions can very easily be eliminated or moved forward by simply lining them up next to the Bible. Isn't that awesome? Wow, that saves us some headache, right? That makes life a little bit easier. But we know that sometimes it's a little tricky. Let me give you some examples, just in case you're wondering. Here's example number one. Let's just say, hypothetically, because all of you in here are just amazing. You don't ever make mistakes. Hypothetically, gentlemen, you have a decision to make, and the decision is, I want to sleep with my girlfriend. 
okay? Honest decision, right? Some people will do scripture gymnastics, trying to figure out a way to make that come to life, okay? If I move this word here and if we look at this verse just briefly and cut it off right before this last, maybe I could justify this. Let me read to you a verse that'll be helpful. 1 Corinthians 7, 2. I'll have a lot of verses tonight. That's not normal, but if you want to just follow on the screen, that might be easier. 1 Corinthians 7, 2 says this. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Notice the singularity there, right? And notice the connection. Doesn't say boyfriend, doesn't say girlfriend, doesn't say fiance, doesn't say lover, doesn't say that person. It says husband or wife. Pretty clear. Here's another one. I want to serve at church but work seems to keep getting in the way, what do I do? It's a great question. It's a great question. Well, let's look at another verse, Romans 12, 6. We all have different gifts that God has given to us by his loving favor, and we are to use them. So to you and to myself, I would say, God's given you as a believer, as a Christian, God's given you spiritual gifts to be used to build up the body of Christ. You are uniquely gift, different from the people sitting around you. And God would say, I didn't give you those gifts for you to sit on them or to, to not use them. I gave them for you to use to build up the church. And so what I'd say to you is maybe you might consider adjusting your work schedule. Maybe you might consider switching jobs so that you could step in and fulfill that role to serve the church. Now, does that mean you got to serve Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, Monday? No, 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 no. But you find your place and your time and your moment to use the giftings that God has given you, and you use them for his glory, because that's how he's wired you. So we look at this, and we go, wow, this is easy. And I want to encourage you with this. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Listen, this book is not some book we just pull off when we need it. It should be the thing that's navigating our lives. This is why we gather every week. Very rarely, in fact, probably never, but I'll leave a little opportunity here just in case. Very rarely do you ever hear us get up here on this stage and try to teach you something that isn't connected to the word of God. We just don't. Because we know that I don't have anything to share with you. But with this book leading me, God can unveil some things that can be helpful for you that was probably first helpful for me before we ever got here. That's why we use this book in this way. And this is how, for some of us, we can line it up or knock it out very quickly by simply turning to the scriptures. But there's a caveat that I have to say. This is important. So the truth is not all of our questions, our decision-making questions to the Lord, not all of them, okay, will be a yes, even though it lines up with the word of God. Let's use an example. Let's say, how many of you have ever been on a mission trip, short-term mission trip, even for a day, a week, okay? Most likely when you went on that mission trip, you got there, you served the Lord, you did whatever it was, VBS, shared the gospel, dug wells, whatever it was you did, and you got back and you were fired up, Right? insulted about America, probably. That's another conversation for another day. But you were fired up. You were ready to serve the Lord. And it may have been possible that you got back from that mission trip and you said, you know what? I want to jump into full time. I want to be a missionary. I want to go all over the world. I want to see the world. I want to serve the Lord in that way. Why? Because in that moment, God was stirring your heart. That's a great thing. In fact, it's very possible that God was preparing you to become a missionary that travels the world. We have a few of those connected to our ministry. 
But it's also possible that God's vision for your life is bigger than what you could see in that very moment. That maybe that stirring he was giving you was not to send you out all over the world, but actually to send you back out into this world to go finish your degree, to get an incredible job that would allow you the freedom to continue to do mission trips throughout your life, but also to raise money, to have a job that makes money. We don't talk about that in church very much. To get a job that makes money so that God could use you and your money to help other missionaries continue to do the cause. See how that works? Now, that doesn't mean that's going to be everyone's story. Just like it doesn't mean everyone's going to be a full-time missionary across the world. But we have to remember that sometimes in these moments, we feel like this is the way to go. But God may be stirring in your heart something even bigger than you ever dreamed. So we line it up or we knock it out with the word of God. I want to talk to you about one more thing before we get to the last point. That's the waiting game. The waiting game. We need to know what to do between amen and at last. At last meaning I finally got the answer. I know what I'm going to do with my life. I know who I'm going to marry. We need to understand that there's going to be some time. Very rarely, very rarely does God give us the answers to our questions in that same moment. Very rarely. For some, you might say never, and that would be okay. That might be true. There's typically a waiting game involved. And I want to share a few thoughts about this that I think are important. The first is this. Remember that there is power in the words we use. Power in the words we use. Let me unpack this. First, let me read a few scriptures to remind you. Do you remember Genesis 1-3? Remember this? Back in Genesis in the creation account, God said, let there be light, and there was. What did he do? He spoke. Now, those are God's words. They have a little bit more weight than ours, but God can do anything, right? Our words have power, but look at this, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, here's why. Because the things that we say are driven by the things that we are thinking. So some of us, for example, will say, Man, I have a big decision. I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do. I don't know if God's going to ever answer me. I'm just waiting. I'm getting impatient. And the more we talk, the more, one, we reveal what we're thinking in our trust in the Lord. By the way, that might hurt, but it's true. But at the same time, as we speak of those things, our mind is continuing to form to those thoughts. And the reality is what we should be saying is, you know what, I don't have an answer yet, but I'm waiting on God. I believe God's going to do this, and I'm being patient. I'm walking. I'm moving through doors. I'm waiting. I'm looking. I'm excited because I know that God is going to help reveal to me that which he wants me to do. But the way that we speak is a reflection. It's driven by the things that we are thinking. Now, I want to be careful here. I'm not saying this is a name it, claim it moment where you say, I want a BMW. Lord, give it to me, and you're going to have it. That is silly, foolish, not theological in any way, shape, or form. But the truth is we can get a little over the top with that and never speak things that are positive, and I think we'd be making a mistake. What you say is a reflection of how you think. By the way, I think I've told this before, but uh, I used to listen to rap music. Don't judge me. It's okay. Well, actually, I still listen to rap music. That's the truth. But I used to listen to bad rap music, like guys like Tupac, who I don't think steady. He's in Cozumel somewhere. But anyways, I used to listen to this stuff. And what I realized, some people are like, what is happening right now? What I realized is the way that I spoke was being highly reflected by the way that I think, but the way that I think was being highly affected by the things that I was listening to, or we might add the things that we were watching. 
And so I learned early on that I had to be careful what was coming in because that was coming out. And what I'm saying to you and I as believers, we've got to remain positive. We're too negative. Have you ever, have you ever noticed how every time you seem to ask someone how they're doing, they're like, I'm good, but I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. You ain't busy. Shut up. You ain't busy. You are busy, probably, but that's not the point. The more you say it, the more you're going to start operating in that way, right? I'm going to be careful here. I'm not saying walk around, I'm happy, I'm happy, and you're not. No, that's not what I'm saying. But the reality is the way we speak highly reflects who we are and what we're thinking. I think that's an important principle. So while we're waiting, we want to keep our mind positive. We want to keep the words coming out of our mouth encouraging. How are you doing? I know you're waiting for that big decision. Where are you going to school? Man, I'm waiting for the Lord to answer, but I'm excited. I can't wait. Love to hear your feedback. Anything you could share that would be helpful, bring it on. Man, that's a different kind of mindset than, I don't know, I'm waiting on God. I don't know if he's going to answer me. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to figure it out. I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like my life is falling apart because I don't know who I'm going to marry. Just kidding. All these things, it affects us. There's a second part of the waiting game, though. It's important. Because we know that God's timing and our timing rarely line up, we have to remind ourselves that we live in a generation that makes processing that really hard. We live in the now generation, right? What do we have? Microwaves? drive through not McDonald's, because that's boycotted here in this ministry. We have, just kidding, relax. Actually, I'm not kidding, but I can't mandate that. It's not in the scriptures. Um, we have microwaves, we have drive through windows, we have search engines, and we have next day delivery. I mean, it's, it's crazy. We have next day delivery. It's crazy. It's like happening as we speak, kind of drones flying. I mean, things that we never thought would happen. This is what the movies are for, and it's reality. And so you wonder why young people are struggling because God takes a few days to answer them. Or God forbid, a few weeks or months or maybe even years to bring to full light that which he has in store for you or that that he wants you to make that decision. But in our generation, in the now generation, we got to know that there's a time gap here sometimes, oftentimes, and we got to learn how to wait better. So how do Christians wait? Well, Christians are to wait actively, not passively. Actively, not passively. Here's, here's the thought. God who wants less couch potato waiting, and more restaurant waiting. This is good. Let this unfold for a minute. Okay, some of you are like, I don't go to restaurants. I just drive through. That's your problem. Anyways, what do couch potatoes do? What you're doing. I'm just kidding. All right, what do they do? They sit around, do nothing. They just listen, watch, entertain, binge watch, right? Whatever you're, you know. But what do waiters do? What are they doing? What? They're serving are they sitting around? Anybody a waiter in here? No? You sit around a lot? Just chilling? I'll get back to table 32 when I'm done with my break. No, 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 no. You get your break when table 32 is done, right? And what, what we're saying is, listen, there are some of us that we like to just sit around and we're just waiting and praying God's going to do everything. And we're not making any steps forward. And the truth is God asks his people to be active in their waiting, to be active in their waiting. Now, I'm gonna pack this in a minute, but I, I'm gonna remind you, I use this illustration all the time because I believe it's just one of the, the most helpful that I've ever heard and been able to share. And that is the, the steering of the parked car. Some of you could say this verbatim because I use it so much. It's the idea that if you've ever had a car that breaks down and you need to get it to go to the right, if it's still and you turn that wheel, what happens? You like how I did that? I did that with some style right there. When you turn the wheel, 
all that happens is the wheels turn, but the car's not going anywhere, right? There's no direction you can go. You're just turning tires because you're still, but if you can get some joker to get behind and push because you got to steer, but if you can get some joker to come behind you and give your car a little push, all of a sudden in neutral, it's rolling, right? It's being active, and then you get to take the wheel and kind of navigate it. Well, let's take you off the wheel. Thank you, Carrie Underwood, and let's put God there. And let's say, Lord, as I start moving forward in my life, I'm going to ask you to steer and direct me where you would have me to go. See how this works? So the steering of the parked car, I just think it's one of the most helpful ways to think about how as Christians we can walk in this life. So this leads to the last point because I want to really unpack this for you. It's this. Try it before you buy it. Okay. Now we go to the mall, right? Anybody go to the mall? Okay. You buy things however you do. We do kind of buy online. Let's put that aside for a minute. Let's say you go to the mall and you're looking for a new shirt, okay? Maybe a new jersey, because this is a nice one. It should support detections. But anyways, you go to the store, you see the jersey, or you see the shirt, and you go, man, that looks like a great shirt. I think I want to purchase that, but it's going to cost me some money. Down here in Katy, a lot of money. And so I want to try it on before I buy it, right? That's logical, logical, okay? By the way, I don't do that. Sarah's always getting on me for this. I just don't do it because... I just think if it's a large, it's a large, it's going to work. I take it home. And then I put it on and I'm like, what, what happened? This isn't large. This is extra small. Or I just got bigger. I don't know. But anyways, side note. But the truth is we go to the store and we try it on. Why? Because we don't want to make a purchase that would be foolish, right? Buying a shirt that is not the right size and spending all that money and God forbid you rip the tags off before you tried it on, which I may or may not have done most of my life. You don't want to be stuck in that situation. Well, when following the Lord, listen carefully, because I actually didn't quite like this title of this point at first, but it, the more I said it, the more it grew on me. The reality is, as we're making a decision and trying to follow God, it's not the idea that we go make the decision and see what happened, but rather we start to make steps in the right direction. So you didn't go buy the shirt, you tried it on. You saw how it fit. You saw how it looked on you. Did you like it? If you liked it, then you probably looked at the price tag. If you're smart, you'd have done that first. That's okay. You looked at the price tag and you said, okay, this is within my Dave Ramsey budget. This is great. And then you looked up and you saw the line. The line was short. So you said, wow, the stars have aligned that today's the day I'm going to purchase this shirt. Can you imagine how much wiser we'd be with our money if we all operated like this? Can I just give you some tips here? You should be writing this down. So eventually you make it to the line. You make that purchase. And what do you think? You feel good. You feel good because you took your time. You were diligent. You looked at your budget. You looked at how it fit. You made sure you liked it. And then you walked out of the store. And what I'm saying to you, as we are waiting actively for God to move, okay, let's, let's use an example of moving to a new city, okay? Maybe some of us are going to deal with this sooner than later. I'm not sure. Moving to a new city, okay? Well, that's scary. That's a scary thing to do, especially when you're on your own, okay? We've had a few stories of people that have moved into this city and come part of our church. It's been amazing to hear. But man, I think about their story and how they left everything to move here for a job to teach. And it's just, wow, what a decision. So let's talk about moving cities. Let's use that as an example. So let's say you get a job offer and it's, pick a city, I don't know, go for it. Let's go a little further than next door, okay, Atlanta. You get, a, you get an opportunity in Atlanta. Not a knock on Dallas, Houston's better, but it's okay. You get an opportunity in, did y'all win or, oh, just kidding. Um, you get an opportunity in Atlanta and you say, okay, okay, so Atlanta is 
far, but not that far, okay? But, but you're intrigued, so you have a good job opportunity, so we know. But you don't need the job. It's an opportunity. And so you're going to do some investigative work, right? You're not going to be the bozo that goes, oh, let's do it, new job. I'm going to make money. I'm gone and not think it through, right? So we're going to say, okay, Atlanta might be an option. It looks like a good opportunity. So what's the first step we're going to do? Okay, well, let's, let's investigate the company, all right? Let's take a look at the company just from afar, Little web search, talk to maybe some people you know. What's the reputation of this company? What's the reputation of this career? Why, why do they need someone? Are people leaving? Someone get fired? Are they growing? That's a good sign, right, of a good company. And then you say, okay, nothing felt weird, right? What are you looking for? You're looking for the good feeling, good feeling, right? That little velvety, smooth feeling. That's what you're looking for. If you feel something negative, you just pull back and say, okay, the Lord's closing that door. But let's say you got that little velvety feeling. I don't even know what that means. But you got that feeling. So you go, okay, this company looks good. It's a good offer. Now I'm going to start looking at some housing options. It's an apartment or it's a house. Do I have enough money to do it? Do I want to get a house? Do I want to get room? So you start navigating. And as you're navigating, you go, okay, looks like all the dots are aligning. There's a couple different options. They seem reasonable within the price range I would need to live here. And what do you feel? I feel good, okay? So we've taken another step forward. See what we're doing here? We haven't been crazy. We didn't just jump out of nowhere, but we're moving forward. And what we're asking is, Lord, either give me peace or tell me no. And if I feel peace, I'm gonna keep moving forward. Doesn't mean I'm saying yes, I'm just gonna keep moving forward. So then you found your location, right? Then maybe you're gonna look for a church, right? Because our spiritual health is just as important as anything else. So you're looking around for church. Hey, there's some good churches in the area, man. It feels like the Lord just is continuing to, to connect these dots, to check off the boxes. And then you say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fly to Atlanta and I'm gonna get in the city and I'm gonna check it out. And after you've done all that, what are you asking the whole way through? Do I feel peace? Do I feel peace? Do I feel peace? Maybe you do. If you do, maybe it's a good sign that it's the right move. See how this works? So we're trying it on before we buy it, before we make kind of a silly move, just jumping out of nowhere. Let's do one more example just for fun. Let's say you're looking for a relationship. Nobody is here, I know, but let's just say you're looking to get married. Okay, what do we do? Well, we're gonna start slow. Can you write that down, please? We're gonna start slow. Thank you. Start slow, okay, that's it. We're gonna start slow. Fourth time, no more. So what are you doing? Well. Coming to church or wherever, hopefully you met him at church. It's a great place to meet someone. It's not why you're here, but it's a great place to meet someone. So you're sitting in church, and you're, you're worshiping, and you're listening to me, but then afterwards, you're kind of looking around. Everybody here is kind of pursuing the same thing. This is good. Might get awkward, depending on who you're sitting by. Sorry. All right. But you're looking around. Okay. It's good. I see some people here. I may have some friends here. This is great. And then as you're making friends, and as you're moving toward the Lord, all of a sudden, you look left, you look right, and you start to notice, man, someone's got my attention. Someone's got my attention. Now, did you ask them on a date? No. You're waiting. You're watching because we're going slow, okay? But you're looking over here and you're going, okay, I, I, there's, there's potential, and I'm not being crass here, just there's potential for a future here. There's, there's a potential relationship. So what are you doing? Now you're kind of you're getting a little closer. Now, I want to know a little bit more about this person. I'm, I'm getting to know some of her friends or some of his friends. I'm asking some questions about who they are, how, they, how long they've been coming to this church. Do they kind of pop out of nowhere? How long they've been following the Lord? Like you're learning about them without ever going on a date. Are you catching this? And then you go, okay, we've moved a little closer, and what are you feeling? Okay, well, I feel good. This, this feels good. This feels like something's here, right? So then you take a next step, and maybe you start to have a conversation with that person. You may have already talked to them, but now you're having a conversation that's a little bit more direct. 
right? And as you're moving, I, I could go slower and take it all the way through this, but I'll stop. But we move through the progression, but what am I trying to show you, okay? Listen, listen carefully. I didn't mean for this to be a dating thing, but let's just talk about this. You're moving slow because if you jump in and it doesn't work out, you can try to tell us it's not gonna affect anything, but it always does. It always does. And so you jumped in a relationship, you just got here, and now all of a sudden you and that person, someone's gotta usually make an awkward decision of who's gonna stay, who's gonna go, and that's just silly. See, if we do it right, we don't have to worry about that. And man, it's healthy. So careful with the lingo here, We're not trying on the person to see if it fits, but we're testing the waters and we're moving slowly so that we can make a wise decision that honors the Lord. And all the way through, what are we looking for? The peace of the soul. The peace that God gives us as we move forward with decision-making, with careers, with relationships, with do we move, do we not? Do I serve here, do I not? Is this a friend that I wanna invest in? Is this not? We're looking for peace. Colossians Let me find, I wanna make sure I read this right to you. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's good. That's like a life verse for some of us. As I'm making decisions, I'm looking for the peace of Christ. So we're not trying on everything, but we're taking a few steps and we're looking for God to move us forward. Here's some practical ways to think about this, just real simple. Everything I just said in a practical sense. Number one, Make your decisions from a position of peace, not agitation, or I'll add excitement, okay? We can get excited about a new job, we get excited about a new person, or we can get frustrated about something and just wanna say, I'm out, check out, I'm done, I'm leaving. We wanna make these decisions from peace. As we move forward, is the Lord leading us here? Does he keep that calmness of our soul? Do we feel like it's a good move? Great. Second, when you feel peace, move forward. When you don't, stop. It's easy, right? And you would think it's easy. Unless there's a job that's got a little bit of cha-ching on the other side. And you may not feel the peace, but you see the dollar signs. And you're attracted to that. And that doesn't mean getting a job to make more money is bad. Please hear me carefully. I think it's a good thing. I want all believers to be rich so we can do a lot for the kingdom of God. I think that's a great thing. But following something just for the money might not, especially if you don't feel that peace in your soul. But you're trying to make it work or trying to do scripture gymnastics to make something work. That's not the way we operate. So if we feel peace, we move forward. If we don't, we stop. And then finally, we follow that peace until that decision unfolds. For some of us, it may take a few days, depending on the decision. It may take a few weeks. It may take a few months. For some of us, it may take a few years to get to that place of peace. But we follow peace all the way through until we get to that moment where we go, there it is. God led me to the very decision he wants me to make, and I feel peace of the soul. I was scared to death when I proposed to Sarah, in case you didn't figure that out. But I'll tell you what, as soon as she said yes, I was like, Phew. and then I freaked out because now I'm in charge of leading the family and the other things and other. But in that moment, I felt this just, there was this final satisfaction. See, I felt peace all the way up, but man, when the, when the decision was finally made, and it was the right one. Do you think moving's gonna be easy? No, you're gonna feel peace maybe, but it's still not gonna be easy. But when you make that decision and you finally take that step, you'll feel this sense of, I'm here. We're ready to begin. I'm ready to serve. 
she might be the one. Pop the question down the road. Philippians 4, 6, last verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what's funny. We've probably heard that verse a lot, but it takes kind of a different weight when we put it in the category of making wise decisions. Let's read it one more time. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about any decision. But in everything, by prayer, seeking the Lord, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. God, what do I do? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Remember we talked about the Holy Spirit, how people aren't, they aren't gonna get God working in your life. They won't get it unless they have him. There's something you and I have as believers that the world doesn't understand. It says that peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine if all of us in this room started making relationship decisions based on Christ and not our own desires, whether they're lustful or futuristic or hopeful, but made them in Christ. Can I tell you something? There'd be some healthy relationships in here. In fact, we'd be losing so many people to marriage, we'd have to find a new way to get people here. I mean, it'd be unbelievable. It goes for every decision. We don't be anxious. We seek the Lord. Here's the last little thought. What if it's scary? What if it's scary? A lot of our big decisions are going to be scary. The truth is, well, if you think about, a, think about a boat, a boat is safest in the harbor, right? It's safest where it's secured, it's locked, it's probably covered. But a boat's not made to be in the harbor, right? It's made to be out in the open water. And you and I, we can play it safe, and never take risks for the kingdom of God, calculated, wise, prayerful, peace-led steps for God. But if we do that, we miss the opportunity to walk with him, if you will, in the open waters. You and I have been created to go on an unbelievable course, a charted path with God Almighty. And man, there's gonna be days where he takes you places you never dreamed There's going to be things he asks you to do. You're going to be scared out of your mind. How many of you, for those of you that went on the mission trip, were you scared? Right? I remember we went to Columbia. There might have been a few people here. Uh, We went to Columbia, and we we were getting on the plane. I think it was the first year we ever went. And I'm telling you, these people were so scared. They were scared to fly. They were scared to share the gospel. They were scared to see other people from another country. They were just scared to be scared. I mean, it was unbelievable. I was looking at these people. I don't think we're going to make it. I think we're going to die by sheer anxiety before we ever get there. At least we'll all go to heaven. I mean, it was just crazy. And we got there, and we got off the plane, and we stepped on the, on the ground and still fear and intrepidation all the way through. But I'll tell you what, as we started coursing through some of those days, we got through some training. We got comfortable practicing what we were going to be doing, going door to door, sharing the gospel, a very scary thing. And we got out there the first day. People started sharing, they started sharing, they started sharing. You know what we saw? We saw people that didn't know how to share the gospel. They realized that the hard way. Didn't know how to share the gospel, become little mini Billy Grahams. 
By the end of that week, no one wanted to go home. Everyone wanted to keep sharing. In fact, when it was time to go home at the end of the day, people were like, no, please, like five more minutes, 10 more minutes. I got one more house I want to visit. I'm just, I'm on a mission. Why? Because they got comfortable. They found their calling in that little moment. And man, when they started on that journey, was it scary? You betcha. They flew across the world. I had to convince their parents to let them go. But man, they got there and they started serving the Lord. You know what they found? They found that that journey was worth every moment of fear because God was leading it every step of the way. Now, I'm not saying all of us are going to be sent to other countries. I'm not saying that. But the truth is, following the Lord, there's going to be some moments that are scary. But we trust that he's got us in our hand, in his hand. And we trust him to give us peace as we move forward. If you do that, decision-making becomes a lot easier. And that's when we get to see the future 